You are listening to the Spurs Related Podcast. Listen for free on Anchor and Spotify. Hello guys, welcome to the Spurs Related Podcast. And as always, oh, actually not as always, we're not joined by Joseph McBride this week. We're joined by Andre from Spurs Related, Darius from Paxton Road TV, as well as Sam from Paxton Road TV, and Brendan from the Cheese Room Podcast. Guys, hello, and unfortunately, yes, we're talking about another loss today. How are we all doing? Uh, if you asked me before 12.30, it would have been a completely different answer. Mate. I would have been so excited, but you know what happens with Spurs, don't you? It's just unfortunately. It's Yep. Sam, how are we doing? I think you can tell by my face how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, not doing I'm not doing well at all. It's, um, it's Spurs, isn't it? This is what we have to go through. As I keep saying, the hope that kills and they are literally killing me from the inside out. <laughs> For those of you uh, not watching on YouTube and listening on Spotify or Apple Pods, I can tell you that Sam is not looking best amused. Um, uh, Brendan from the Cheese Run podcast. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for joining us all the way from Brazil, by the way. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for inviting me, James. Good to see you guys. Um, I'm okay. I mean, I'm obviously gutted we lost, gutted that we that's top four gone pretty much. But I just think the best team, Leeds played excellently. So I will get into it, but I'm, I'm actually quite all right. I'm um, yeah. philosophical maybe, but obviously a loss is a loss. Maybe you're already expecting the worst. And of course, <laughs> last but not least, Andre, a new recruit for Spurs Related, all the way from Canada. We've got a very worldwide podcast today for you guys. Andre, welcome on in for the first time, mate. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I had to wake up at 7 for this shit, so I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> 7 a.m. That is that is bad. Just to watch a 3-1 loss against Leeds United. And, and, and with all due respect, like Brennan was saying, Leeds United, great performance from them. Let's not, let's not put that um, away from them. But let's be honest. Let's talk about Eric Diabolical for starters. We'll go with Sam. I know he's not looking too impressed. Sam, talk to me about Eric Dyer and the defensive display today. As as you well know, James, you know, sometimes we refer to, to players by number. He's one I refer to by number only. It sips that every every now and again with his name. But number 15, again mm. and again and mm. again, does defensive mistakes that are just criminal. For the goal, I know a lot of people are blaming Reggion because he he, he he was there. It went into Lurie's mm. Lee. He's made the save. But the ball came across the pitch and Eric... Dyer, I'll call him Eric Dyer so people know, hmm. just let the ball come across. It's criminal what he does in the middle of the park. As our central defence, hmm. it is horrible. And I don't think any of the players can take any confidence when they see him on the pitch. I just don't believe he can. That's hmm. why I think a lot of the dams of defence plays like they do, because you've got players in there that shouldn't be playing. And, and yeah, the sooner he comes out, gets out of our club, we've talked about it before, me and Darius will put together, easy jet, get off, see you later. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of fans would agree with you, uh, Sam, and that's very understandable. Um, obviously, Eric Dyer was very bad today, as we know. Uh, I'm going to go over to Brendan. Um, Brendan, do you think it was just Eric Dyer today? Obviously, um, like Sam mentioned, Regalon had a, another bad performance. I thought he was probably the worst round of pitch against Manchester City in that final. Who else would you point out today with a bad performance other than, obviously, the obvious option was the whole team, other than maybe Son? Um, who else would you point out today that was that was very bad? Yeah, I think well, we've been looking at the defenders, but I think some of the front players weren't at the races today. Bale and Kane, two for mm. a start, weren't. And it like Bale was sort of um, noticed for not tracking um, 
I've got is it Alioski uh, for yes. uh, I think their second goal. Mm. Uh, so but Bale doesn't track. So that's probably why Mourinho uh, wouldn't play him as much. Mm. I think uh, we, we saw the low block counter Mourinho game worked against Leeds and maybe that would have worked this time. But we've got mm. Ryan Mason in and so we have to go with, with the new manager's play. But yeah, the front players weren't great either. Son, like you said, probably the, the standout player there. Uh, but I wasn't surprised to see Bale hooked when he was. I, I, I would completely agree. Um, obviously, we're talking about um, Kane's unlucky disallowed goal. Uh, obviously, two disallowed goals, one rightly disallowed and one, well, it's borderline. We can talk about that for for a few minutes at least. But um, I, I would agree. I think Son was our best forward um, player. Although, if you look back at the last few games, Son has been well off the pace in games where we really need him as well. So I'm not going to just sit here and say Son was fantastic when actually... He kind of he was one of the ones that let us down in that final. Didn't turn up, didn't play a part. Um, I'm going to go over to Darius because I'm sure he's got a lot to say about um, that display as well. Give us a generic overview of what you thought today, Darius. Honestly, mate, it was it was it was embarrassing because we literally yesterday watched Newcastle beat Leicester convincingly quite well, and we, I looked at that game and I thought, you know what. Leicester have got Man United, Chelsea and us as their final three games. Hmm. Chelsea have got two finals to play. West Ham, you never know what can happen with West Ham. There's a real opportunity for us to kind of sneak into the top four after the season that we've had. And it's been a, it's been a pretty diabolical season in, on all fronts, let's be honest. Awful. And the fact that we could still have a possibility of, of rectifying this season and what that could have done to maybe, maybe bolster our opportunities of getting certain managers, certain players next season, it could have been massive. And to see that all be thrown away from, from such a, it was a lackluster performance. I think that's what I'll call it. I think mm. we didn't match the intensity from Leeds and we knew what they were going to do. And, and that's the thing. I think that, while Leeds played excellently, I, I will admit they had a lot of good players on their team and they, the energy of all of their players is always top, top quality. But we, you know what Leeds are going to do. And I think that the issue that I have with, with Leeds and, and the performance that Spurs had is we, we knew what they were going to do. We didn't, we didn't match it. We didn't do anything to kind of help our situation. And, and it's disappointing to see from us. And I think that certain players have to hold their heads in, in shame. Very mm. much so. I think Eric Dyer has to hold his head in shame. I think Lacelso didn't have a great game again. Reggio didn't have a great game. Mm. But also, I think that Ryan Mason does have to take a little bit of responsibility. I, I do believe that he is, he is a novice, obviously. He's only been in, in charge for four weeks. But some of the in-game decision-making decision from him today was a little bit suspect. I think not bringing on Ndombele after potentially 50 minutes or so, not bringing on Lucas earlier on, letting Ali and Bale stay on the pitch, knowing that they weren't working hard, was mm. it all It all helped and helped to, to create a, a little bit of a, a losing mentality towards the end of the game. I didn't really see much of much of hope when when that third goal went in and you never know with Leeds you can still score two or three goals against them so yeah it was just it was just disappointing overall to see that the opportunity that was there individually taking it away from the game we could have we, we could have done so much with three points today so yeah it's just absolutely disappointing. absolutely the, the, the two things from what you said there I, I take away is the fact like you said at the end there Leeds are always open to um, conceding goals their defense isn't you know the most solid in the league for sure their games are high scoring and we didn't even look like we were going to, you know, try and come back into the game. And it's just so disappointing to see, really. Uh, really, really disappointing to see. And um, like you said, some of those players, you know, Delhi created the one of the goals very nicely, but at the same time, he didn't put in a very good performance at all, apart from that. Um, and, and some of the decision-making and Dombele was screaming out for him in that game. Um, Andre, like I said, mate, First time in today, but um, try and uh, uh, analyze what a terrible performance that was. So, what I don't understand is is Harry Kane not performing well because of 
what's been going on with Ryan Mason, like the different tactics, or has he just not been the same since his injury? Uh, I'm not sure which one it is. You is know? he fully fit? Yeah, is he fully fit? Has he just been rushed in and now he's sort of carrying a small injury that's making him perform the way he is? I don't, mm. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think you're right. Go on, go on, go on, Sam. I was just going to add to that. So, so he was out, obviously, the, the week before we were due to play the final. Shouldn't have played that final or shouldn't have started that final, in my opinion. Started that final. So he couldn't have been 100% fit anyway, I don't believe. And I think he's just been playing on from there because we've not seen him rest. So are they taking risks with him? We, I would, I would not really get onto Harry Kane's back because again he doesn't pick himself; he, he gets picked by the manager. Mm. So whatever mm-hmm. they see in training, he, it must suggest that he's okay. But you're right; I think he's been overplayed. He's our best player. He's got the most goals. He's obviously got there with the assists and all the rest of that sort of stuff. But tactically, if we're going back to the game itself today, tactically, uh, I said this on our podcast. Leeds are the easiest team to prepare for. You know exactly what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You play a game in terms of they're going to man mark you. So what do you do? You try and make the pitch as big as possible, get players out into wide areas. If you can keep good possession and keep the ball well, they're going to have to start running around, which Leeds do, but eventually they'll tire and there'll be gaps. Beat the press. There's acres and acres of space. Play into those areas. We didn't have enough of those players to break lines starting and team. I was quite happy with the team when it was um, announced, but Deli Ali, I knew he wasn't going to be able to do that. That's not his game. Tangay, it is. Lucas Moura, it is. Even Lamella, to a degree, it is. They can beat presses. What they mm. do in the final third is a different matter. So tactically, we were all over the place and we never we never did anything with the substitution. So we have to, it has to go down to the managers today, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that. Um, oh, sorry. Um, no, no, no. I think I think that uh, Mourinho he he made a lot of mistakes, but I think something I did see that was different is Kane would get rested. Uh, Mourinho would protect him to, and rest him to make sure that he would play and on those big games. So I, I don't know if if um, Ryan Mason is trying like if he's going to try and do that in these next few games, but I found that that might have been another factor as to why Harry King was performing so well this season besides the tactics. Mm. On those, on some games, he would rest him. And I know Harry Kane likes to push himself. I've seen all those interviews. He pushes himself to the point that he injures himself by trying to play as many minutes as possible. He wants to get all them goals records. That's what he wants. He wants mm-hmm. to be golden boot of the season. That's why he does yeah. it. So and why, if the manager asks him, Harry, do you, are you all right? Are you fit? He's not going to say, you know what, boss? I can't really play this week because he wants to play. That's mm-hmm. not the player's fault. This is down to the management team and those who assess him for his fitness. They should make the decision. They should know that he's mm-hmm. level. There's all the science in football. There's no excuse for it. I, don't, I can't make any excuses. It's down to the management team to be strong enough to say, Harry Kane, you're not playing this weekend, or we're going to play you as a sub and bring you on, whatever it is. But and they've got to be extra careful at the moment, obviously. I know clubs aren't too worried about it, but obviously the Euro is coming up next month. They've got to be extra careful with Harry Kane, especially because he's one of our biggest hopes of having any success as, as a nation. And I know, like, like I was just saying, like management-wise in, in the Premier League, the clubs aren't too worried about the Euros. That's a completely different you know, concept for them. However, Harry Kane should also, Sam, I agree with you, Harry Kane should also be thinking, like, if I play this, am I going to be out of the Euros and potentially ruin records for that? So, I mean, it it is interesting. And and I know Brendan was about to say something when Sam said, when Sam said, you know, the manager picks Harry Kane. I think what Brendan was going to say was, Harry Kane picks himself in that team. I'll let him talk. I think that's what he was going to say. 
Yeah, exactly that. I think he does. Harry Kane has such power in that dressing room, even over the managers. When he wants to play, he will play. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan Mason said before the final, he clearly shouldn't have played. If you saw his ankle when Richarlison rolled over it, it was at a right angle. That takes mm-hmm. three weeks at least to get anywhere near that. to the level to, uh, to, to, to play. And Mason was like, well, Harry said he can play, so he played. A so week later. Well, even that, yeah. was it? It was even, and it was terrible in that final. And he, mm. he basically he sabotaged the final. If we'd have had, I mean, I'm not saying Vinicius would have been any better. Mm. The whole team didn't turn up. So I don't know if Kane made a huge difference either way in that final. City were far better. Mm. But he um, he does have too much power. I think that he 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 doesn't know when to stop. He's his own worst enemy sometimes. And we Agreed. saw that with the Champions League final as well. Mm. He clearly wasn't fit. He was rushed back because it was the biggest game in our history. And he had to be a part of it to, for him. So I think Kane has way too much power in that dressing room. Maybe rightfully so, because he mm, is definitely. our greatest player of the generation. And it seems like a parallel every year. Now, I'm going to go with a freaky parallel here. Obviously, two years ago today, I know it's not a good time to remind us. Well, it is in a way to make us a bit happy. But two years ago today, obviously, Lucas Moura and the semi-final of the Champions League are probably, in my lifetime, the greatest ever game that's ever happened, the comeback, etc. And then two years later, we've lost 3-1 to Leeds. However, let me just go back to what I was saying. Obviously, with that um, final in the Champions League, Harry Kane was rushed back for that game. And then two years later, he's getting rushed back for the Carabao Cup final. He's getting rushed back for the end of the season where, like Darius was saying, we can recover what a terrible, terrible season we've had. And still, it's probably the wrong decision because Harry Kane's not fit. So technically, we're playing with 10 and a half players, although Harry Kane, obviously, world, world-class player, he's really not up to it at the moment. And would it be a better option maybe playing Son, Lucas and Bale up front? I don't know who wants to answer that it's, one, but it's almost like James. It's almost like we bought a backup striker exactly for these reasons, mm. and he's not. I understand he's not part of our future plans, and he's not really gonna be. Well, I don't think at all he's gonna be bought for thirty-six mm. million pounds. So I don't. I don't see him having a future at Tottenham. Mm. However, you're still a Tottenham player. If Bale's still starting, why is Vinny not getting even put on the squad? He's not even yeah. on the bench. He's not been on the bench for the past two weeks. So I don't really see that as an excuse. I, I understand Bale's a Tottenham legend and he's been here before, but Bale's on loan and Bale's come out and said, "Yeah, mate, I just use Tottenham as a bit of a training session for the, the gym, Euros." Yeah. So if he can, if he can come out and say that and still be starting. Then Vinny's Vinny should be having at least some sort of influence or role in this squad still. Because if Kane now, like you said, James, if Kane goes into these Euros, and I, as the England captain, you're going to expect Kane to, if he can, start every single game possible. Mm. He's going. I, in my opinion, my prediction is he's going to get injured in the Euros. I would because agree. he's not 100 yeah, percent fit. He's mm-hmm. going to get injured in the Euros. We're going to go into next season without Harry Kane starting, or we're going to have a, an unfit Harry Kane starting, and it's just going to be a domino effect following on. So I think that. Everybody's made valid points of what they're saying. Brendan, you made a great point. He's his own enemy. He needs to just kind of, I don't know if it's selfishness or if it's just the fact that he feels responsible for it, but he just mm. needs to just take a step back and just kind of think there's, there's still something to play for, but now there's not. So do I really need to be playing intensely every single game for these next three, for these next three games? I don't think so. You've got to think to about the Euros that, and you've got to think about the next season. That point about the Euros though, I think, although Harry Kane, I agree with you, he's, our, he's the best player for England. If you take him out of that team, we can compensate. You can't compensate in the Spurs team. That's the reason for him playing all these games for Spurs. Mm. Within England, you could probably lose Harry Kane and you could put X amount of different players in that area. You could play different ways. Gareth Southgate would probably play a different way if Harry Kane wasn't injured. And to be fair, I think we'd still have a good enough opportunity because we've got real talent, real talent. Take Harry Kane out of our team and we can all see what happens. It is just non-existent. We cannot rely on Vinicius although I don't think he's been given enough chances mm. to play and prove himself. But the whole team 
then seems, well, we haven't got Harry Kane playing now. What what do we do? And that's but, the problem. It's the reliance Sam, spread of let the me, Let me throw in an interesting debate here. And it's not that I don't agree with you, just to put that mm. out there. What happened two years ago when we didn't have Harry Kane and obviously like our greatest ever game? Yes, it was a bit of luck that we came back in that IX game and we did have some amazing performances without Harry Kane. So what's changed two years later down the line for us to rely so much on Harry Kane now? Two years ago, we were playing better football. Two years ago, we were at the pinnacle of, of I would say, some form of success. Hmm. Although the league season was taking a little bit of a nosedive to get to the Champions League final. Since that point, think of the players, or the one at least, we lost Christian Eriksen, although he was on the bit of a downslide. Deli Ali has not performed at all since Jan that Vertonghen. point, in my opinion. Jan Vertonghen, gone from the club. So our, our basis of what we had defensively has gone. Kieran mm. Trippier, gone. You know, all these players have not been replaced adequately. So Still yes, two years down the line. Two years down the line. So yes, we were at the pinnacle. Poch came out and said it. We needed to invest then to at least keep us consistent, not to get any better, but to keep us consistent. We never did that. We lost great players or very good players, never replaced them. And this is why we are in the position we are. So Absolutely. we've still got Harry Kane. We've still got Son. We've still got Lucas Moore. We've still got Lamella and all these players who were in and featuring around that time. But they haven't got anybody else around them that's improved us. And a key word there, actually, going from what you're saying, that's a really good point. Staying consistent by buying a few more players to stay consistent. I think it's also about keeping up with the other teams. You know, you look at Manchester City buying Ruben Diaz. You look at Liverpool buying key, key players to keep up and then win the Premier League the next season after losing, you know, the Champions League and then winning. You know, it's just it's it is, it's it's heartbreaking to see because I feel like we've had so much progress after from like say let's say 2014 to 2019 in the Poch and we're just reversing everything now. And I might be being a bit dramatic, but that's how I'm personally feeling as a fan. I feel like we're undoing you know, that tight string and just going, let's go back to 2014 and give it another punt. Let's recruit another manager like Poch, give him a gamble and it might not be as successful as Poch. That's how I'm feeling. I don't know about everyone else, but, you know, Andre, maybe you want to take over for a bit. Um, I think personally Tottenham has a messy problem. We are trying to build a team around Kane and yes, Kane is amazing, but by just trying to build around him, the minute he gets injured, we can't do anything. Mm. I think... With some luck, and obviously with Poch genius, we were able to find a way to get to the final without Kane. Sun stepped up. Everyone started building a different kind of team. It was more progressive, more rushing. And that's why, for example, against the Man City game, we were able to score so many goals. Hmm. You just get them on the counter. Uh, when, when Kane is on, there's no... I, I feel like the... the almost like everything is a little bit slowed because he's not as fast. So it's more of a build-up play. Easy. And then the defenders are just, as long as they defend him, then it gets really hard for us to score. Can I just add one point about 2019? Sorry to labour the point. We mm. weren't playing well in the league up to the final. But remember, <clears throat> we were lucky to get to that final. Do you remember yeah. the City game? We, we yeah. got lucky from uh, a VAR decision regarding mm. that. Obviously, yeah. we were down in that Ajax game. And... To be, to, to be fair, if we played that game again, I don't think Ajax would lose it. So we were lucky to get to the final. So let's not let's not lose that sight. We did very well. When we did get to that final, we were terrible. Liverpool was mm. starting to place that as well. But we were terrible. So regardless of that, let, let's not lose that sight that we weren't playing that great. And since yeah. that, we've played even worse. And we haven't replaced the players. And 
that can be down to the board not being able to invest whatever it's money uh, uh, there's a whole host of problems we did a show about the the recruitment the recruitment's been awful there's so many factors that have contributed to where we are today we're lucky that we're even around the top six or seven teams it's unbelievable that we're up there because everybody else has had issues as well so yeah spurs spurs Sam, it sounds like a perfect, perfect opportunity to move on to the next topic now, which is the Enoch and Levy debate. Now, I I mean, I'm going to quickly talk. I'm not going to talk too much on this because I just get too annoyed. But basically, on the 15th of May, make sure you turn up to the uh, March if you can get near near it. Um, if you are Enoch out and Levy out, but um, I'm sure we're all uh, on the same wavelength in this room right now. So let's just say the investment in this club has gone backwards as well. Um, it's never been proper, and 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 we had investment under under Potch when it mattered. But you know, like you said, Sam, we haven't replaced Vertonghen, and we haven't replaced Ericsson, we haven't replaced key players, and it looks like we're not even going to buy Vinicius, right or wrongly. It it seems like we're trying to save money there as well, maybe because the Super League didn't happen. So um, I mean, firstly, um, I'm going to go with Darius because he hasn't talked for a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about um, the Enoch and Levy debate and um, Tottenham moving forward in the summer. And, and and another question, which I'm sure is the obvious answer, are we going to have a good transfer window? Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, obviously, I think that with this debate, I think there's quite a big divide between, between generations of Spurs fans. I think that the younger Spurs fans, and I'm 20 for reference, for context, mm. I've only seen us lift the Carabao Cup in my time. <laughs> and... As sad and depressing as that is, it's kind of almost like I've, I've, I've come to expect Spurs not to do much in, in anything. So I've not really been onto the board like that until pretty much this year and maybe last year as well. And also the time that obviously the period of time where they didn't invest and we finished third and second. That was that was criminal. That was unforgivable. That could have re- that, that's really set us back, in my opinion. I think that if we had invested even... 50 100 million into a few players to bolster that squad we could have gone a lot further in the season that we finished the in the final of the champions league so i think it's difficult to for for younger fans to kind of really get onto it but now in 2020 in 2021 especially with the super league news the sacking of Mourinho and just the absolute calamitous shit show that it's been trying to find mm-hmm. a new manager it almost seems like we we've been rejecting people it it seems like the the motive and the the what's it called the drive that Enoch have is solely monetary and financial and I've I've now realized this after seeing the you sack Jose Mourinho and I was big I was very much against Jose Mourinho I thought that he can't stay next season but even I had to admit sacking him Jose Mourinho probably the best tournament manager right before a final six days before a final and then mm-hmm. hiring a 29 year old it, it was just weird it was just weird and now I'm seeing some of the links that we're with and in terms of the next managers and and just structurally what's going on at the club and it, it's a mess it is a mess and at the end of the day all these issues that we're talking about in terms of the squad in terms of the manager in terms of players not being replaced it boils down to one person who seems to be kind of putting getting his hands too dirty and too involved in the club Daniel Levy seems like he wants to do too much. Seems like he wants to manage everything. You saw in the in the in the Amazon documentary that he was sitting and eating food with the lads, and he was almost seeming like he was. He was but a, how often a, does that happen? That's what I was going to say. True, I'm glad you brought point. up Amazon because I was going to say Levy seems to have done this as a publicity stunt in a way mm. to make himself look like he's going to invest in the club. He loves Tottenham. Oh yeah, he said he loves Tottenham in the video or whatever. He loves the mm. way of the club. He loves. Well, I can't even remember it now. It was. 
it was complete BS, basically. And um, Mason still coming out and saying that in press conference, literally in the press conference leading up to the Leeds game, he said Levy loves the club and he, he shows that he loves the club. Yeah, but who's telling like, him to say that? Le- Levy and I mean. So, it's I obvious. Mean, it's obvious. Mm. So I think that a lot of the issues that we're complaining about aren't really going to be resolved unless upstairs gets resolved or unless they sort themselves mm. out. And again, I don't know how much trust I can put into those guys to sort themselves out. So it's kind mm. of like we're in a we're in a we're in a losing situation and it Poch kind of just gave us hope. I think that's really what it was. I think that we could have been even worse, but we got lucky with the managerial appointment and Poch just took us to a stratosphere that we never thought we could get to or we didn't think we could get to so quickly. And now our expectations are there still. And the, the level of commitment from, from everybody above isn't, isn't matching it. So I just think it's, it's, a whole, it's a misconnect between fans, between the board, between everything. It's just a mess. It's literally just a mess in our club at the moment. And it's sad to see. But, but Darius, not only was the um, second of Jose Mourinho at that time weird, and, and like you said, it, was, it could have been monetary. Um, obviously, Mourinho's not, not been um, too slow about getting another appointment. He's gone straight to Roma within, what, two, three weeks. Um, and, and the other thing is, it, again, this is another point. So the reason why Mourinho has been sacked, and believe it or not, agree with it or not, it is the truth, is to, to one, save money, because if he won the um, Carabao Cup, um, we would have had to pay... X amount to sack him at the end of the season. Yes, they might have been planning it earlier, and they said they've been. Sat, um, there was rumours that they we've been um, planning to sack him after the Zagreb game. So why didn't we sack him after the Zagreb game? Why did we wait till That's a true. key final six days before to mm. then sack him? Spend less money. Apparently, he only got a twelve million pound payout instead of thirty million. Oh well, I mean, if I got twelve million, I wouldn't do anything for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? The point is, mm. the guy's still thriving to do more managerial stuff, which mm. proves to it he still does love football. And I, I would have personally sacked him after the Zagreb game. I don't know what you think, Brendan. I'm going to go to you. You've been a bit, bit, um, a bit silent. I know you got a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Probably Zagreb. Uh, was the lowest point of the season. Mm. Uh, and had he moved then, you look at the games against Everton and Newcastle, where it was sort of typical story of our season, go 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 a goal up or go two one up and then sit back, try and hold on to it. And then they get the equaliser. Those four points, had mm. we changed the manager and been a bit more forward thinking in our play, those four points would put us in a very different position mm. uh, to where we are now in terms of the top four. Um, so it was a, a strange, time, strange timing, but I think you're right. I think it probably was bearing in mind a, a bonus that he may have got had we won the Carabao. I still don't think we'd have won it Absolutely, had he been yeah. the manager. Uh, on the Enix stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm nearly 40. Uh, I've, mm. my, I started going to, to Spurs games in the mid-90s. And mm. I'm not saying just because it was worse then excuses the mistakes that we're making now. But I just want to try and get a bit of perspective into where we're going under Enix. They've made so many mistakes. This The ESL thing was is the latest in a line of mistakes. Yes, the, the frustration is there in terms of their transfer policy, penny pinching. We could be lining up with, with Diaz and F- Bruno Fernandes mm-hmm. had we just been a bit more smart in the transfer market, shifted Ericsson off early, accepted a fee, got Fernandes in All when they should have yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. There's, there's these things where you look at Levy and you're like, well, we should probably take away footballing decisions from him because he clearly uh, isn't making the right decisions mm-hmm. on the footballing side. Mm-hmm. Business-wise, Excellent. The the land management, that's what his, his degree is, is, is in land mm. development or, or something like that. So he's they've done a lot of good things. But <laughs> I'll also say, we can't have a vacuum. We have to have owners. So everyone's saying Enoch out, Enoch out. Well, what comes mm. in? Mm. The American investors. But the Americans were the one pushing the ESL idea in the first place. So that's a good point, you've got yeah. to be, kind of be careful what you wish for. Do we want to be Chelsea? Do we want to be City and have a sort of state-funded 
uh, oligarch uh, oil money coming in mm. from a human rights abusing mm. uh, state in the Middle East. Like, there's these questions that you have to ask. What do we want? I mean, I'm not a huge Enoch fan, but it is the grass is, isn't always greener on the other side. That's a very good point. That's a very balanced argument. I do like that. And and like you said, sometimes when you wish for someone out, and I'm going to go with a managerial example, Pochettino, people that were saying poch out are now going poch in. And let's be honest, that is happening all over social media right now. <laughs> I've seen Pochettino in trending on some days, and it's not happening because A, he's a PSG. Yes, he didn't, they're not going to win the Champions League now, of course. But I mean, they've probably still got a very good chance of winning Ligue 1. And they're, you know, obviously they should be winning that league anyway, let's be honest. But He's, he's, he's gone up in the world. Pochettino's gone up in the world. We've gone down in the world. And, and that's the balance at the end of the day, like Sam was saying. Since Pochettino's gone, this has gone down. And, you know, Pochettino's career is technically going up. Um, whether, whether he wins something, that's another debate for another day. But I, I think you're spot on. I think if we get American investors, we're probably in big trouble. And that's nothing against, you know, American people. That's against the fact that, you know, the Liverpool owners are American. The Man United owners are American. And they were the two main ESL clubs. Um, sorry, you, yeah, the Super League clubs that have they've driven this. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, actually, it'd be interesting to go for the North American view from um, Andre himself. What, what do you think on the owners? Well, I think that they they they're just not investing enough. They they're too they're becoming too stingy with the players. They keep players that just aren't good enough. Mm. Uh, they they're not willing to just risk it a little bit because at the end of the day. Imagine a team that had Skriniar, Diaz, Max Aarons, Dybala, all those people that we missed out on mm-hmm. just to save a little bit of money because I heard the valuations, the differences were small. Mm. So I, I think that if they continue with that mindset, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to keep going down. Absolutely. Sorry, and can like, I just um, double go on, on, go on, go on, on what Andre said? Yeah, um, I think you make two points that you make that were, that were very interesting to me was risk. I think without risk, you're not going to be able to succeed in, especially in football. As mm. as football owners, you have to take risk. That's that's part and parcel with, with success, in my opinion. And two, I, I also I think that the the stinginess is is a problem. And and the reason it's a problem is because we are still spending like 10 million on Jack Clark and 10 million on players that we think might make and it, it all might adds do up. Well. Yeah, and it all adds up. And if you just kind of think, okay, Jack Clark, and no disrespect to the guy, mm. I don't think he's going to even get a look in the team for the next four years while Son Bergwijn and players mm. like that are there. So it's like, you're going to send him on loan for three years and then you're eventually going to sell him, maybe not even for that much of a profit. Why not just take the 10 million and kind of just take the risk, like Andre said, and buy Skriniar, buy Diaz, buy Fernandez, buy, buy one of these players. It might With the cost, 10 million, they're being stingy over. On like, face value, for, might yeah. be a lot of money. 55 million might sound like a lot of money. But I said, I made this point with, with the Hitch In Hitch Out um, chat, uh, podcast that we did on Paxton. Mm. If you have a player who's under the age of, let's say, 24, and you buy him for 50 million, even younger, and you buy him for 50 million, there's always room for that player to, you could always make a profit on that player, especially mm. if they're a talented player. There's, there's always room to at least make your money back or make a profit. If you're spending 50 million on a 29-year-old, maybe so, yeah, that's not going to be smart. But these young players that we're talking about, Diaz is 23, captain in Benfica. I didn't see a risk to that, even though it cost uh. 55 million. I didn't see a risk to that. So it's just, those things annoy me so much. And it, yeah, Andre made great points about the risk and, and the stinginess. It's just, it's just not helping us, is it? Absolutely. And to put my... 
like you were saying about the whole Jack Clark thing, you know, say we're 10 million off getting Fernandez, even if it's 15, 20, right? Stick that down, right? And then we could be higher in the league. And guess what happens when you're higher in the league? You get a bigger payout every season. You get more television games. You get more broadcast rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the risk leads to reward. And putting the two of you, what you've just said together, why does Enoch and Levy not take risks, get rid of Deadwood, buy more players, take more risks, put more money towards players, and then you'd be higher up and have more success. It seems simple from our point of view, of course, and I'm sure there is more complexities to it. But surely the basics of bidding more for players, being you know active in the market, being challenging in the market, because otherwise Man City get all these players, Man United get all these players, Real Madrid, I know they're struggling with money, but I mean, to an extent, they're probably not. Um, so I think you're spot on. Go on, Sam. Go I come on. In mm-hmm. Football, historically, if you look at the Premier League and look at the Champions League, in general, it is the team that pays the biggest wages and pays the most on transfers at least. The, the Premier League, you can go through the whole of it. Leicester's an outlier. There's always going to mm. be that. Looking at that, what is it that about Spurs? And I've always said this. We've won the league title twice in our history, 1951 and 1961. None of us here were there to see mm. that. Mm-hmm. Why are we now this team that's supposedly going on to win Champions Leagues and uh, Premier Leagues? We're not. We're not mm-hmm. built going on backwards. that history. Mm-hmm. We're not built on that history. That's one thing. Daniel Levy, again, the Enoch thing. Um, Enoch have spent money. We've got a brand new stadium. The training facility is the best in the world. All the rest of that sort of stuff is there. I've got a little bit of a list here. He's accountable don't get me wrong, but he's not responsible for everything. What I'm saying by that, he's brought in Steve Hitchin in 2017, who's the chief scout. I don't think the scouting's been good enough. We've spent, since 2017, $323 million. We have got back in that cell about 170 odd, which means our net spend is about $166 million. It's not insignificant amounts of money, mm. but we haven't spent it wisely, yeah. as we've talked about. So that doesn't that's not Daniel Levy. He might get involved in all of that, but the chief scout, he's making wrong decisions in terms of that sort of thing. So maybe, as you were saying, James, mm. get somebody who's more football biased, a director of football who can deal with that aspect of it. Let Daniel Levy do the commercial side of things. Because if we get rid of Enoch and we bring in somebody else, they're going to be business people. This mm. is a multi billion pound industry. They're not coming in for the fun of it unless you get a Saudi owner or someone like Jeff Bezos, who's just got oodles of money that they want to just throw away. It's business related. So mm. we must not lose that fact. I think Dan Levy is one of the best businessmen in the game. We haven't transferred that into the playing aspect of it because we haven't got the appointments right below that. But is that opinion. down to Daniel Levy, do you think? Not wanting to release some of that power that he has. Do you think that is as the I, reason? As I said, he's accountable. If you get, like I said, if I'm the CEO of any business and I then hire a manager and I hire this person, I, if they don't perform, I get rid of them. Absolutely, it's then my, yeah. it's my accountability that I got the wrong thing in the first place, but I don't get rid of myself. I get rid of them. Mm, so absolutely. this is the point. He needs to get somebody in place that who he can trust as a director of football that can deal with the football side of things and make mm. the right decisions. If it then goes pear shape after that, again, they're going to fire them. No board. I've never seen any board in my lifetime says we're going to sack ourselves. It doesn't happen. So no, one more thing. For- 
One more thing, Sam. Oh. Just, just I'm not cutting you off. I'm just going to make a point. So obviously, like you said, the £150 million net spend, right? You, you're saying it's not insignificant. However, let's compare that to Manchester City. Let's compare yeah. that to Liverpool. So that's what, two or three world-class players, not even that really in this day and age, okay? £150 million. Realistically, is that enough if we're challenging for Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues? Oh, no, it's not enough. But that's, that's my point. I don't think we should be thinking to ourselves that we should be doing that based yeah. on what we've achieved in the past. We should be at least looking to build. In comparison to the 90s and compared to the, the to 2000s onwards, we've significantly improved. We were languishing down in 14, 13, mm-hmm. 12. We have been consistently in and around the top six to top four for the last X amount of seasons. But we have now thought to ourselves, we should be winning titles based on what? Based on mm. the fact that we've won it twice? And Based never on, seen 50 it. years None of us ago. Seen yeah. It. Exactly. Mm. So once we as Spurs fans, and this is I've got to do this myself, once we realize, hold on a minute, we get mm. put into this category with Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal. We shouldn't even be in the same boat as them, but we're progressing well. We just maybe have gone a bit too far in our expectations at this stage. Can I just I jump in? Come sorry, I, I know the time is running out, but on the um the, the subject of the director of football. Uh, in 2011, we lost Michael Edwards to Liverpool, and he he basically kick-started under FSG uh, their sort of moneyball approach to, to transfers. Levy mm. was fuming mm. because he was so well thought of, so well respected, and so and he he came to us with with under Redknapp. Uh, he's now like he's really senior now at Liverpool, and and Liverpool's recruitment has been spot on, as I, I think I think Sam said, uh, has been spot on in Absolutely, terms of bringing yeah. in the right players. Um, so it's not all Levy's fault, but like you said, he's replacing him with Hitchin in, in 2017. Oh, no. yeah. He's, he looks, I mean, not that his looks or anything, but he does look like Humpty Dumpty. And he's, <laughs> he acts like it. And he, it's just, he was so uninspiring in that oh. in that documentary. He was just like, oh, I hate the transfer window. Mm. I'm like, well, yeah. go away then. Like, yeah. get someone that does want to do their job. Anyway. And I think... We will end on that note. I know we're running out of time, guys. Thank you so much for all your passionate um, debates and opinions today. It's been great. Make sure you go and check out Paxton Road TV on YouTube. Darius and Sam, the host. Brilliant channel, I, I must say. And obviously, Brendan with the cheese room. The guys, those guys over there absolutely smashing it. And obviously, make sure you subscribe and follow Spurs Related on all socials. Guys, thanks very much. And we'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.